0: So the big question is this, how do real estate investors who don't have a ton of free time don't have access to off-market deals and didn't start life on third base? How do we conservatively grow our real estate business to support our families, finally leave the corporate rat race, and build a legacy? That is the question. In this podcast, will give you the answers. I'm Ed Matthews, and this is Real Estate Underground. Greetings and salutations, real estate undergrounders. This is Ed Matthews with the Real Estate Underground podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am, uh, I, this is a really cool conversation. I actually read this guy's ebook uh, a couple of weeks ago, but I, I've known of him for a while. And, uh, you know, from from a real estate perspective, as well as from a mind um, mindset perspective, I think today's going to be a really interesting conversation. So, uh, Matthew Ace. Hegarty, welcome to the show. Thank you so
1: much for your time today and uh, looking forward to getting into this. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you having me on. I love, like we talked about before the show, I love talking about real estate. I love talking about mindset. So we're going to we're gonna rock and roll for these 20, 25 minutes. That's for darn sure. Well, all
0: right. Well, let's get into it. So for those folks out there who haven't heard of you or haven't come across you yet, um, why don't you give us a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah. I like to tell people I am the real estate investor that you ask when you want to know not, or let me phrase this properly. I'm the guy you ask of how to do everything wrong. The things not to do in real estate. I've been doing this for almost 10 years now. I started as a fix and flipper in California. Did that. I started accumulating long-term holds and then also short-term rental holds as well. Moved across country from California to Tennessee. Thought I'd become Mr. Flip It. Skinned my knees, fell to the ground, bounced back up. Since then, have done hundreds of flips. I've done turnkey rentals for out-of-state properties and out-of-state investors. Most currently, I've done development from the up. So I'm one of those guys who's kind of dabbled in a little bit of everything. So from my experience, I can tell investors exactly what not to do if they want to get financially free fast, what not to do if they don't want to lose gobs of money at times. It hasn't happened all the time, but you know, it was those times that I skinned my knees that I learned the most. And it's from my sure. mistakes that I'm hoping to teach and empower other investors, whether you're sitting on the sidelines, just interested, or you're already in it with a W-2 or fully in it as your full occupation. So I uh, there's universal principles and truths in this business. And I just feel so privileged and fortunate to have gone through these so that I can steer people away from all these pitfalls. Yeah, right on. I I, I admire your transparency.
0: And, you know, the fact is that, you know, we talk about here at Clark Street, we talk about, you know, there really aren't mistakes, right? There's simply opportunities to learn and, yep. you know, try not to do it twice right? Yeah. Three,
1: four, five times. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Right. We try our best. We try our best. But uh, you know, the thing that I'm, I, you know, I most admire about what you just said and, and how you present yourself to the world and how you operate is you're, you know, you're very quick to say, Hey, look, you know, I'm, the, I, I was thinking George Costanza when you were saying, you know, do the opposite of what I, oh, what I, I love that episode. You <laughs> um, were dating each other. You know that, right? Because everybody's yeah. like, well, "What? who's George Costanza? But uh, the right people will get it. So it's okay. So the, you know, the, the, but the fact is, is that, you know, being able, to uh, be vulnerable and be transparent and say hey look I you know I got this one right but I totally blew that one and here's what I'd do different next time right is is really valuable for folks like the people in our audience for instance and you know frankly people like me I'm always looking to get smarter right and sometimes yeah. I get smarter by listening to other people's mistakes and sometimes I get smarter about making my own mistakes
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I forget who said it, but the best way to learn from is to learn from other people's mistakes. However, if you make the mistakes yourself, it's going to probably hurt enough that you hopefully, yeah, we will only have to do that once. And I'll give a quick story. I was doing pretty well in California. I was working for a contractor at the time, meaning I knew the ins and outs of construction. I teamed up with a, a realtor buddy of mine who I grew up with, who I could trust implicitly. And I had the contacts with construction. I had my realtor buddy on the front and the back end, and I was in the middle of the project. And so in California, I was making all these mistakes, but they weren't seen as mistakes because I had people that could cover those things up. Right. And it didn't become completely apparent until I moved to Nashville, where I knew nobody. And there's a phenomenal book, Gary Keller wrote, uh, The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. And that is like the playbook of becoming a real estate investor. I just love that book. It's it's a fundamental book that I will go back to time and time again. And with that book, he talks about building a team. Yep. Well, I had a team in California. I didn't have team in Nashville, didn't know anybody. So I found a realtor. I found a contractor. I was looking for the deals myself. And I made all of these mistakes that I didn't realize were mistakes at the time, because in California, I could trust my contractors because I knew them personally. I could trust my realtor because I knew him personally. And it wasn't that the contractor in Nashville was bad or the realtor was bad, but they just didn't care about my project as much as I did. Right. Absolutely. Exactly. And so I made things like I was fudging my numbers unknowingly, like kind of padding the numbers, thinking the construction would be less than it was, thinking the ARV was higher than it was, and all of this and that, and just itching to do a deal. And what? Anytime you're you're anxious to do a deal or you're itching to do a deal, and you just jump into it. Yeah. Right. That was that was mistake number one. They always say money. You make the money on the back end of the deal when you sell it, or sorry, when you buy it. Yeah. Right on. No, I hear you. You, you make the you make money make on the, the money bill. on the
0: back end. You make it. Yeah.
1: Right. Exactly. And so I learned that lesson. I learned. The importance of setting the right expectations with your realtor, with your contractor, with everybody, knowing your number inside and out and making yeah. sure there's a little bit of a buffer because four six months from now when the project is done and you're trying to sell it, if it's a flip or what have you, you just don't know what the economy is going to look like. We, we, this past year, boom, feds instantly raised rates on us overnight. Yeah. COVID happened overnight. All of these things are going to happen. So I lost on that first deal in Nashville. I lost 35 grand. I was so short on money because I was leveraged between several projects which was another learning lesson that I couldn't even pay for my wedding two weeks before I was supposed to get married and we were, we were going to pay our, all of our vendors. They were coming asking for their money so that they would show up to the, the wedding. And I scrambled, I ended up selling a flip that I made almost no money on. Meanwhile, losing you know my shirt, so to speak, on this other deal. But it was from those first few deals in Nashville that I got that university, you know that $35,000 university degree that you don't get in school. I got that by just diving beat first. you know, It was ready, fire, aim instead of ready, aim, fire. And, you know, as good as that learning lesson was, there's so many ways you can learn and just listen to the smart people. I'm not saying I'm the smartest person around, but I have enough bumps and bruises and I've bounced back so many times in my career that I do have already to tell you about my experience and what I know. But there's so many other great people out there that are saying similar things and success leaves clues. So if you're listening to these people, take what they say. If you can trust them, say take what they say and have faith that you want to follow your numbers. You want to set up the right expectations. You don't it's so easy to fudge numbers in this business to make it look a little bit better. Anytime I've I've tried to manipulate numbers to make it more rosy looking, I found myself getting in trouble. So
0: Yeah, it's so yeah. true. It's so easy, you know, as a as an investor, as someone who is really excited about a potential opportunity, you know, someone who's like you were saying, itching to get that deal, right? It's so easy to to shave a little here and add a little there and convince yourself that oh, you know, we can figure it out. You know what? You're not going to figure it out. You gotta nail your numbers right from day one. And uh and so, you know, what you're saying is really important. But the other thing I'm hearing in in your comments is is all equally important, and that is perseverance right you know the oh, fact right. is is that uh i found that the people that figure out how to stick in this business you know understand that they're going to make mistakes they're going to stub their toe you know some people lose money some don't um some people squeak by i've i've had a i've had a handful of squeakers in my day you know where you you spend 6 months on a flip and you make 400 bucks uh <laughs> yeah i've been that guy right uh, It was the first one i ever did but the uh the, you know the fact is is that if you're clear on why you're doing it it makes it a whole lot easier to get back off the deck when you're when you're on your back right
1: yeah exactly if if you have a goal to reach let's say financial freedom something like that whatever financial freedom means to you because there's a lot of different definitions of that but let's just say it's 5000 a month 10000 a month pay for your expenses That's your goal. Well, that's great, but when you're in the thick of it, in the fire, because there you're going to be in the fire if you get into this this business. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Even if you're a passive investor, there's still things you got to go through. And the why is what keeps you going. That's what has changed my life is just knowing what my why is and making it so important that days that I'm down, the days that things are getting tough, the days that the obstacles seem sometimes insurmountable. It's your why that's going to keep you going, and then the how the mechanics of what you're doing, that that comes last. You need to know first, get crystal clear on what you want. That brings clarity. With yeah. clarity comes confidence. And then from there, figure out why the heck you're doing this. And it better be something super important because if it's not, when things get tough, you're going to give up. You're going to try something else. You, it might not even look like giving up. You're just going to get distracted and try something else. And, you know, for me, for years, I, I tell you, I'm the guy to talk to about making mistakes and, and how to learn from these things. I was the investor with the shiny object Syndrome. There's a reason why I went from and flip to long term to short term to turnkey to development. I've done all of these things because I I get distracted because what's preventing me from becoming financially free, and I did it this year. But what was preventing me was actually I like to call it the the six inches of real estate in between your ears. So whether you haven't even gotten in the game yet, you're just mostly checking out Rias or watching podcast, or listening to podcasts, reading books, whatever you're doing. From the person who's been in it 10, 20, 30 years, you're only going to hit a certain place. They call it the glass ceiling. You're going to only get to the level of where you are in your mindset. And for years, it took me I I didn't understand why. I was like, I'm trying this, I'm trying that, I'm partnering up with these people, I'm partnering up with those people, I'm doing these deals. I've done hundreds of deals in my career. And for me to take almost a decade to become financially free, it was because until I leveled up my mindset and my my mind game until I leveled that up, I wasn't going to get the results that I was looking for. It, It would always seem like this elusive thing. I'd get close to being financially free and then something would happen, whether it was me or I would blame somebody else or a partner that didn't, you know, the relationship didn't go the right way, whatever. But when it comes back to it, you have to look back on yourself and ask yourself the question, what is it? What obstacle is preventing me from getting to that next level, breaking through that glass ceiling, making it to the next part? And once I realized that and started working on myself and my mindset, whether it comes to real estate, money, my capabilities, these limiting beliefs that I've held since I was a child. Until yeah. I worked on that, I wasn't going to make any more money. I wasn't going to make it to that next level. I wasn't going to craft those relationships with the people that I needed to craft to get myself to the next level. And for me, I I teach mindset. I You could teach strategies and there's a lot of good people that have phenomenal strategies, but until you get the mindset part of it down, you're not going to get to where you want to go. So true. So true. Yeah.
0: I mean, the thing is that we were talking about it before we press record, you know, that uh, I affectionately. I Referred to the folks that stop you in the grocery store, you know the dreamers, right? The ones that were like, "Oh man, I saw you on this, or I heard about you on that, or I read this about you." And, man, I wish I could do what you do for a living. And my question is always, "Well, what the heck's stopping you, right?" And uh, uh, I usually get one. I get a version of of three answers, right? Oh man, I just don't know where to find the deals. Oh, I don't have any money, and I don't know where to raise it. Uh, I work, you know, a bazillion hours a week. I've got wife, a kids, you know, I've got parents. I'm oh, man, you know, I'm I'm helping out. Yada, yada, yada. And all of it's true, right? All of those yep. things are really hard. But the fact is, is that when I dig into those folks uh, and, you know, it almost always, it comes down to mindset and really it comes down to fear, right? I'm afraid. Yep of something. And it could be the voice in your head that's telling you you're not capable or you don't deserve it, or it could be, you know, any number of things, but in all, you know, and until you get your head right, taking that first step is, is, you know, is hard. And in fact, even if you have your head right, taking that first step, buying that first property, uh, is, it can be terrifying. And it should be, right? It's a <laughs> lot of responsibility, right? You're, you're providing yeah. for someone in some way, shape or form. You're, you know, you have, uh, uh, vendors and, and contracts who are counting on you to pay your bills. You have investors who are counting on you to take good care of their money and return back even more. It's a lot of responsibility. If it doesn't freak you out, it you stop because it should.
1: Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's it's an adult game. It is not a child yeah, game. And, and it, it isn't for the, right? yeah, it's not for the faint of heart. That's for darn sure. Yeah. And so,
0: so when or- you got into real estate, you know, what True. I mean, obviously you're a smart guy, you're capable and you know, you've done a lot of different things within the real estate world. So that tells me, that informs me that you could probably do a lot of different things, not even outside the real estate world, make a living. Why
1: real estate? Well, at the time, my background is structural engineering. I was raised; I, my pedigree is in structural engineering. I ended up going to uh, Cal Berkeley for graduate school. top so really smart. Okay. The very <laughs> analytical, very much an engineer-brained. And you know, for all you engineers out there, or you math people, or whatever, you can you can do this. Yes, you got to work on people skills and relationships because that is a necessary part of this business. But I've done it, and I was that stereotypical engineer. I went to freaking Cal for crying out loud, like. It it was ranked the top university above MIT, Texas, Stanford. I got into all those schools. Like, like I'm not saying that to impress anybody. I'm saying that to impress upon people that you can do whatever you want to do. We're, we're all at different places, but it is possible. Anything is possible as long as you believe it. And so I was working for a contractor at, at the time as a structural engineer and as a construction manager. And like I said, uh, a buddy of mine came up to me, a realtor, He's like, Hey, do you want to flip this house? I'm like, this was like nine years ago. I was thinking, flip like I know Chip and Joanne Gaines do something like this on Fixer Upper, which was a TV show I absolutely hey, Mary, loved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kind yeah, kinda. Yeah, yeah flip is easy when you get all the materials for free. Yeah, exactly. Right. And and yeah, those numbers aren't real. Ask no. me how I know. I've I've been the structural engineer for a lot of those TV shows actually. My wife was- won't watch that
0: wouldn't watch that show <laughs> because I'd be like, That number's too low. That number's too
1: low. There's no way it costs that, right? But it's it's beautiful, it's beautiful for the dream and for the idea. I think I think what it did, yeah, it it kind of left an imprint in me. And so when when he said that, I was like, Well, I know construction pretty well. Like we've done a few remodels for clients and all of that. So he's like, Here are the numbers. This is a guarantee, you know, infamous, this is a guarantee, right? Home run. Yeah. Well ended up being that. We did a short sale. He specialized in short sales. And for anybody listening, short sale essentially means you're avoiding foreclosure. It's great for everybody, it's great for the bank, it's great for the investor, and it's great for the people. We gave them $8,000 cash for keys, essentially, to, to walk out. They had another living situation already set up. So it was a win-win-win. We ended up going. It was just a lipstick rehab, which means very light rehab. We didn't get into anything super crazy or cosmetic stuff than anything else. And did my first flip since I was working at W2. I got bank financing, which was great because I only needed to put 10% down because I said it was a secondary home. And did my first flip. We sold it. And my partner and I ended up splitting net 90 grand off of our first flip we didn't even have 90 grand in in the deal and from then on i started to pick up more properties with that partner uh, i and this is the great thing about real estate if you really want to push things forward there's three things you can contribute to real estate there's time there's treasure which is money and there's talent and so ask yourself the question what do i have out of these some people like they said they don't have the time but maybe they have the money they have a high paying job yep so they they could be the financial backer maybe there's someone who like myself was a project manager and knew construction and could work on the construction part of it. Find the others, find the person with the money, find the person with the time. You know, Managing, you can you can oversee management. You don't have to be on site 24-7. Make sure somebody probably is, but there's things you could do. And so that's really how I started. I was one of those people who kept my W-2 and I'm all for it. Yes, it takes a little bit longer, but at least you get to get your feet wet yeah. and try this out. But like I told you with Nashville, I did get my feet wet and I thought I knew everything. I thought that my stuff did not stink. And when you get... Get to that point. Oh man, life has a way of, of making you humble. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. And ever yeah, since yeah. then, I've stayed humble. That's for darn sure. Yeah. And you
0: know, it's interesting. I, I'm here in the Northeast, so I'm up in Metairie, in Tennessee. And you know, a lot of these markets across the country make geniuses out of everybody. Right. You know, I I, I remember buying. Yep. A, a ranch here in Connecticut. You know, it was a nice ranch, nineteen hundred square feet. It was you know, it, it was banged up. But but uh we bought it for one fifty and I was hoping to get you no know, three ten out of it, knowing that I was about to put a hundred into it to get it get it right and you know we ended up spending about 105 yeah. on it and the market exploded and we ended up selling it for 385 wow what a great return you must be a genius i'm not i got lucky right yeah it should have been a you know 40 50 50 thousand dollar. going great yeah and it turned into a windfall only because i've the time that i bought it that's it i got lucky right and yes luck favors the prepared mind but that is not what happened on that deal right i just got lucky market yeah. exploded at the right well, time and i happen to be holding the prop so yeah it, be careful, right? You mean know, you got to make sure that, uh, like you were saying earlier, you know, you're making your money. You make your money on the buy, not the sale. That's the sale is when the money shows up. But the fact is, you got to have your numbers tight uh, when you go to sign on the dotted line and, and start to put together a project plan. So. Tell me about your mentors. You know, obviously, you know, obviously you're, you're extremely well-educated. I'm sure that you've had people who've kind of thrown an arm around you over the course of time. So I'm curious about the, the best advice you ever got and who gave it to you.
1: Oh my goodness. There's been so much good advice. I would say my first mentor who actually was my boss at that construction company, he was grooming me to become the owner of the company. And I've learned so many great lessons from him, but he was an old school, you know, grew up on a farm in the farm areas of California. California and uh, just had some, these great old school sayings. And the thing that I always have carried with me, John Maxwell, who is just another phenomenal person, leadership guy. He he says this. He says, there's no such thing as business ethics. There's just ethics. And my old mentor taught that to me, but he said it in a different way. So my biological given name, as you said, is Matthew. My superhero name is Ace. But my old boss used to call me Mattress. That was his nickname for me was Mattress. Everybody in construction needs a nickname, apparently. Yeah. So he was like, Mattress, your reputation is like your virginity. Once it's gone, it's gone. Right. And that has stayed with me forever. That and John Maxwell, there's no such thing okay. as business ethics there's just ethics because in this business, it's a people business. You have to treat people like people. And once you forget that, or you stop doing that, your reputation is not what you think you're doing. It's what other people say about you. It's what other people say when you have left the room. And once your reputation has been compromised, it's like your virginity. That sucker's gone and it's gone forever. Right on.
0: I totally agree. Um, yeah, I had a, I I had, I still have a mentor, uh, Larry Cheaton and he, he had a sign behind his desk. I worked for him Early 90s. And it said, uh, always tell the truth. It's easier to remember. And, yep. you know, that one is as well. So similar, that. similar uh, thing. But um, so I'm curious, you mentioned John Maxwell and a couple of other authors along the way. You know, these days, it's not necessarily a physical book that people use to to get smarter and, and learn. But, you know, I'm just curious, you know, sometimes it's a podcast or videos or, you know, whatever. I'm curious how you consume information. And and I'm also very curious about who you're paying attention to these days.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate you asking that. Um, when I wrote my book a little over a year ago, I jumped into YouTube University. I was born in the late or in the early 80s. So I just turned 40. And growing up, that's not how we consumed information. However, I learned through YouTube University, how to get just insane amounts of information, you know, at the click of a button. Like it is absolutely incredible. You have to be careful who you're listening to, so that comes with integrity and trust of whoever you're paying attention to. But yeah, YouTube has been, oh my gosh, it's it's been a godsend. I've I watch so much YouTube to learn from so many great people, I would say. You know, these days the people that I listen to the most are mindset people. Um, Ed Milet being one. I know he's yeah. huge in, in the podcast world, but I love Ed Milet. And what I've learned through this process, especially the last two years, is that mindset is everything. And so I make it a focus like learning real estate. You know, there's tons of great real estate people you can reach out to with different strategies and ways of of doing real estate. I've been doing this so long that I do it a certain way. However, I always like learning and I could do that through my networks. However, I these days I pay attention to my my, my mindset because I know I'm only limited by my own mind. And right so now. yeah, guys like Ed Milet, I'm a huge Andrew Huberman fan as well for people okay. that, that yeah. love the nervous system and learning about how to leverage their nervous system and get exponential results. He's a he's a great person as well. So I would say those two guys right now, obviously me being an engineer, I I, I love Huberman's dry sure. podcast, but they're just so interesting and then Milette with his enthusiasm and his ability to take complex things and make them really simple it's it's incredible yeah.
0: which is a talent right it's a it's actually a sign of high intelligence when you're able to break it down for you know us normal people. So, so let me ask you. I mean, you've done a lot in this industry, you know, flips, long term, short term rentals, development. If, if you had to do it all over again, what would you do
1: different? Mm, this is one of the biggest things that I talk about is focusing. They always tell you focus, focus, focus. And in real estate, as you know, if you focus on one thing, whether it's fix and flip or long term holds, short term holds, even, you know, certain niches like probate and things like that. Find something that interests you. Find something you can learn and really just focus on that. It's going to save you so much time and energy. I know it doesn't get, some of this stuff isn't sexy and it can get monotonous and boring over time because it's the same thing over and over and over again. Trust me, when I was doing turnkey rentals, we did about 250 of those in three years and it becomes rinse and repeat at that point. Looking at all the houses start looking the same. All the rehabs are the same. All the numbers are looking the same and it got so Super boring, but at the same time, like that's what you need to do if you really want to excel in this business. And then once you hit your goal of financial freedom, passive income, nest egg, whatever you want. Once you hit that, then venture into something different, right. something cool and, and sexy or different like short-term rentals or things like that. Then you can jump into that. But just focus for a couple years. Just give it laser focus. I have a business partner of mine, great business guy who doesn't know much about real estate. He became financially free in 18 months. It took me almost 10 years. He did it in 18 months. And I can run circles around this guy when it comes to my real estate knowledge. However, he was a great business owner. Yep. He had the right people around him, contractors, property managers, yeah. realtors, all of that. He built that team. He read that Gary Keller book. He did the right thing as a business owner and became financially free in 18 months. So yeah. it's possible. Some people have done it even faster than that. His stuff wasn't sexy. His market is not sexy. The houses are not sexy. His tenants are not sexy. This is the sexiest list, if that's a word, uh way of investing. But it got him his goal. And now we're doing short-term rentals and we're having a ball with it. We're, we're doing these cool like Ferrari type investments. Like it is awesome. But both him and I had to make sure that we took care of ourselves and hit our basic fundamental goals first. And then we can venture into the, the more risky type investments or the sexier investments.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Your story reminds me of the um, uh, Jeff Moore, Jeffrey Moore, the, the the venture capitalist. And he was an author before he was a VC. And he, he talked about um, in, in actually several of his books, Crossing the Chasm, Inside the Tornado and whatnot, uh, the bowling pin Strategy, which, you know, basically was if you, if you've ever bowled and you think about how, uh, how the pins are set up, there's one pin out front. And what he would say is become world class at one thing, do one thing better than anybody else, serve your customers. And as you gain traction, then do the one off of that, whatever that is, right? Pick one thing, be great at it and then expand. And, uh, I couldn't agree more. I ignored that advice myself, uh-huh. but, uh, you know, I've since. Kind of re- retrenched and and focused, but you know, I'm a multifamily guy only now. But, uh, but the fact is, is that same thing. You know, I, what took me seven, to eight years to, to get to, uh, uh, freedom, you know, probably should have taken me a lot less. Yeah. And it was because I was trying to do
1: 47 things at the same time. Um, right. them well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You start. Yeah, you start doing too much and you're not doing any of them well. Right. I did property management myself for years. The minute I fired myself and got a real property manager in there, yes, I'm paying them nine, 10 percent, but all that time, that energy that was expended in that, they're doing it so much better than me. And now I get to focus on what I'm really good at instead yeah, of messing around with tenants and toilets and all that crap. It was a complete waste of time, use. money and energy. It's the best
0: use. Yeah. And, and you can still do property Property management, asset management, um, yourself, you just, it's not, I you don't know, it's who, right? Yeah. Hire a team, you know, you hire the handyman, you hire the plumber and the electrician and the HVAC person and the, uh, and the, uh, you know, the person to catch the phone calls and the person to coordinate those vendors and, you know, make sure that rent's being collected and that rent's being increased over time. And that. Expenses are being, you know, reduced as best you can, and you know all the things that you do—the basic locking and tackling—you can hire people to do that, right? And so, you know, f- from my perspective, while I agree outsourcing property management is a great idea, uh, if you if you don't have access to really good property managers, creating a a, a light, you know, basically a, a team of ten ninety nine contractors uh, to do all the things that you need done, and all you're doing is managing that system also works really well. So
1: yeah, so a lot no, of- I- to do it. Uh,
0: but, but you got to think about your highest and best use. So let me ask you, when you're not pontificating about real estate and mindset and being a superhero, uh, what do you like to do? How do you spend your free time such, uh, if you have any?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, um, we have a, a men's group and we do adventure trips. Oh, fun. And so, yeah, we, we get a group of guys together, me and actually my business partner, we, we, lead it and we get guys together a few times a year and we do bucket list items essentially it's it's meant as a mindset breakthrough event sure. but it's a way to really like knock off bucket list items like this year already we've uh, hiked the grand canyon which has been phenomenal most beautiful place i have ever been to in my entire life it was just magical um we've hiked the appalachian trail through the night and so it's kind of like almost like david goggins type stuff too because right. we're pushing ourselves really hard i went on that appalachian trail i started hiking at i think it was hour 36 of being awake non-stop going crazy like i love pushing myself i love doing the painful things i'm you know, call me a masochist or what, what have you. I love that Goggins approach to life. And so yeah, yeah. And so when, when we're doing things like that, or I just do that myself or with a buddy or two, we, you know, we go hiking, we push ourselves, we do. Yeah. I, I just love being outside. I love pushing myself. And for me, that's relaxing. For me, that centers me. People might think it's crazy. I spend my Sundays not sitting around watching TV, what have you. I spend my Sundays planning out my week, getting ready for my mission. I also spend it on projects that I'm passionate about. I work for, a non-profit called Operation Rescue Children. So if anybody's watched Sound of Freedom, that's yeah. Operation Underground Railroad that Tim Ballard started. Yes. But we do similar things as them. And I love working on that non-profit. I don't get paid anything, but it's a passion project of mine. And so I love working on passion projects, whether it's me physically exerting myself or me giving my time, my like I said, either it's my time, my treasures, or my talents. Yeah. And, and for ORC, Operation Rescue Children, I get to give all three. And it just fills me up. It's
0: amazing what uh... Uh, what actually contributing to the betterment of, you know, human beings on a semi-regular basis does for you, right? it's amazing what you get out of it. Right? Exactly. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, we're,
0: we're involved with a similar organization called uh, Marisi, which is um, I met through uh, Tony Robbins, as a matter of fact. And uh, same thing. It's, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, we donate money and time and expertise uh, to help them, you know, go pull children out of uh, sex trafficking situations in the South, in the um uh, the Far East and oh, that's amazing it's amazing you know five hundred dollars saves two kids yep. it- so you know it's in from a marketing perspective. You know we help them with you know helping them raise money and and obviously we contribute with every deal we do and you know a whole bunch of other stuff. But the you know the the fact is is that uh, it not only feels good karma is a real thing, right? It does it does come back to you. I I wholeheartedly agree with that.
1: Yeah. If anybody listening who has like a mindset issue when it comes to making money or having money, think about it this way: if you're pulling in 10k a month, who needs to live off 10k? Let's say you know your basic stuff. If you live an average life right now. Like if you're pulling in 10K a month, 15K a month, imagine what you could do. Like you said, $500 saves two children. Are you freaking kidding me? That you not making money is actually wrong. You mm. not leveling up for your family and people all over the world so you can give back financially. You're selfish. So making money is not selfish. Not making money is selfish. I can, that's
0: well said. Well said. So, um, though, so Ace, if, if, someone wants to hear more about you, your business, or they want to read your book, uh, superhero by design, or they want to become a superhero, uh, right. what's the, what's the best way to uh, reach you and learn more about what you do for a
1: living? Yeah, definitely go to my website. Superhero by Go there, fill out the information on the front page. I think it's just your name and your email. And I'm actually right now giving away my book for free, a free ebook. So all you have to do is go to superhero by sign up, and you'll be getting my newsletter. You'll be getting the free ebook. And starting in like the next week or two, the mastermind, superhero by design mastermind community is getting started. And it's a place essentially where people can come and essentially grow and learn. Those are the two pillars I live my life by. It's fundamentally changed my life. As I'm I'm constantly growing and I'm constantly giving. And I want to bring other people that love to grow and love to give together in a community where they can learn more, they can give more, and it's just a win-win for everybody. Uh, that's That's
0: amazing. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to learning more about that myself. So uh, Ace Haggerty, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, it's been a great conversation and I wish you well, my friend.
1: I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Good to see you. This has been the Real
0: Estate Underground podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us grow. Until next time, happy investing.